leave us or forsake us. Knowing that, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You're with us always, Lord God. And, Lord, when we feel broken, when we feel down, your word says you're near to those who have a broken spirit. You said, be still and know that I'm God. So this morning, we stand still in your presence, knowing that you are on the throne, high above anything we could face, high above any name that is named, high above any demon, any principality, any, anywhere where the enemy would come in like a flood. You are high above it. And you lift up a standard against him. So we stand in absolute victory this morning. The victory of the cross. The victory of the resurrection. In the victory of your word. In the victory of the one you sent, the Holy Spirit. In the victory of the church. In the victory, Lord God, of absolutely everything you provided for us. We stand in victory today. And we worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you, Lord. You're so worthy. You're so worthy today. With all our hearts right now, we lift up a worship to you. Nobody, 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 nobody. Jesus. I just want to say the name again, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, just sing the name this morning. Just send your voice up and call on his name. Say, Jesus. Jesus, the name that fills heaven itself is Jesus. 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 How we worship and adore you this morning, Lord. Thank you for being here in our presence and in our midst. We declare healing in every area of our lives this morning, Lord. Anywhere we're experiencing a difficulty or a trouble, anywhere where our bodies aren't lined up with our covenant right to healing, it's the children's bread. We command this morning, today, that our bodies would line up, that every situation would yield to that name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and glory, and we honor your very majestic presence in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen this morning. Come on, say it again. Say amen. Say it again. Say amen in Jesus' name. We're so glad to have everyone here this morning. If you're here for the first time, we do welcome you. We're so glad for everyone who chose to worship here today. We realize you had a choice about where you'd worship. So if you would, just fill out um, a connection card. You should have one in your welcome packet. By the way, did everyone receive their welcome packet? If you did not receive your welcome packet, would you raise your hand? Minister Murray needs a welcome packet on the front row. Minister Murray, Minister Murray. Always talking. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. His Word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. So the Word is about to hit your spirit and change your life. Amen. If you, if you receive it in faith, you receive that Word, and you mix it together with faith, the Bible says it will profit you. Amen. We're building a life founded on the Word of God. All right, y'all ready? Say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything. 
the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything. The haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say, you better get to being about the Father's business. The Father's business, about the Father's business, amen. Well, we, we are um, doing like we did last year, and we're just writing 12 new chapters for our lives. And uh, in January, we said, you know, it's just all about Jesus, January. And then what was February? First things first, February. And then what was March? Somebody help me. What, what was March? More than enough March. Yay, give yourselves a hand. <laughs> More than enough March. And then so this month is April, and it is about the Father's business April. Being about the Father's business. And I wrestled with God this morning about, you know, God, I'd really rather do all things are possible April. And I just couldn't get peace about going in that direction. So he said, yes, this is what we're going to do. Then I got so excited once I got in and the Holy Spirit started talking. So it's about the Father's business, April. So let's look, number one, the Father's business. Let's set the stage for this first scripture. Jesus uh, grew up with his mother and his uh, stepfather or adopted father, Joseph, and they lived in Nazareth, which, you know, the Bible says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They were kind of from the hood. It was kind of what you would call the hood or the ghetto or the barrio or whatever you want to call it for back then. What is it? In the bottom. Yeah, the other side of the tracks. It was on the other side of the tracks. So it was, it, he lived in Nazareth. And every year, families from wherever they were, because they were Jewish or they were uh, the children of Israel, they would get it together and they would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover for the week. So they would go in big caravans together. And they would go, they'd celebrate the Passover as a joyous occasion. And then when it was time to go back home, they'd all leave and go back home. So they all left to go back home, Jesus and Mary and Joseph and, and all of their friends. So the women usually, you know, would be together and the guys would hang out together. And, you know, they would go in their caravans back to wherever they came from. Well, they got about a day's journey. It was a three-day journey to Nazareth. They, they got about a day's journey out and Mary's like, Joseph, where, you, where's Jesus? He's with you, right? He's like, I thought he was with you. And Jesus was about 12 years old at that time. But they're both like, where, have y'all seen Jesus? Where's his friend? Is he with, where's Jesus? Anybody know where Jesus is? Oh, my God. Can you imagine the panic that hit their heart when they realized Jesus wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, we, we wonder about being a good mom or a good dad. They lost Jesus. So, yeah, so they turned around a whole day's journey to go back to get to Jerusalem. They looked for him a whole nother day, and on the third day, they went to the temple, and they found him. Mary was upset. Mary said, son, how could you do this to us? We've been worried sick. We've looked for you everywhere. We, could, we couldn't find you. Now, how, how could you do this to us? And Jesus' answer was quite remarkable. You see, he was sitting there with all the scholars and the scribes and all those who, who had a real good handle on the word of God, and they were all discussing the word of God. It says that everyone was astonished at his understanding of the scriptures. But look what Jesus' answer was to Mary. Well, we were so worried. We've looked for you all over. Jesus said, why did you seek me? 
Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Whoa. And you know Mary thought about picking a switch. (laughs) I know this boy did not just ask me right here in the temple. I am still your mother. But it said that Mary carried these things deep in her heart and pondered them. Because she's the only one who really, 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 really knew that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he really was the Son of God. So she considered these things deep in her heart. But as I looked at this scripture, I must be about, don't you know? Don't you know, Mom? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? And I thought about what that scripture really says, what it really means. Number one, it means that Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was. He had figured out that he's not just the son of a carpenter and a girl named Mary. That he'd figured out that he was the son of God. He had come to the realization that there was a greater purpose for his life. There's more to life. There's more to this life. There's, he, as he began to ponder who he was, he knew who he was. He said, it must be about my father's business. He wasn't making tables or chairs. He wasn't building something. He was talking about the father. God, it must be about my father's business. He knew there was a purpose that he had. He was, he was only 12. But he knew that he had an identity in God and a purpose was connected to that identity. I think that's real important for you and me too. That we know who we are because there's purpose attached to our identity. Our identity in Christ. We've been born again into a new family. We have our natural family, thank God, but we've been born again into the kingdom of God. We've been born into being a, a, a sibling with Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's our father too. We've been, we've been by the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted into the family of God. We got to know our identity. We got to know who we are. I'm a child of God, born again into the family of God. There's a kingdom purpose for my life. You know what? On the, on the table back there, also, whenever you pick up your um, invitation cards, there's a little card back there that says the 15 Freedom Truths, and it's, it's got 15 I Ams on there that you say about yourself. Yeah. It's so important that you know who you are, and you're more prone to believe what you hear from your own ears that comes out of your mouth yeah. than you are what somebody else says. Yeah. So you just keep talking to yourself and declaring to yourself who you are. But the, it's a card that's about this long and it's back there on the table. Grab one when you go and start to confess over yourself every day who God says you are. Amen. You're a child of God. John 1, uh, 12 through 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We've been born of God. Ooh, that gets me excited right there. Galatians 3, 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Ephesians 1, 11, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, hopes up look at this. He had his eye on us. 
had designs on us for glorious living. Come on, you got to know who you are and know that there's a purpose in your life beyond just getting up and going to work every day, coming home, going to sleep, get up, eat some food, go to work again, eat lunch, um, uh, finish your work day, drive home, get for dinner again, get the kids ready again, and get up the next morning, do it all again. There's more to life. There's an eternal, eternal purpose and, and, and eternal stuff, eternal heavenly business. There's a spirit life that yearns to be born in you, a spirit life that yearns to fulfill the purpose of God. You're a spirit being first before you're a natural being. He created you in the spirit before you were ever in your mother's womb. He told Jeremiah, he said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you forth to be a prophet. Wonder what gifts are in there. Wonder what he's hidden inside of you that you haven't discovered yet. There's some good stuff in there. I'm telling you, whoo, been 25 years ago at the age of 31 when I got on my knees in my closet and threw my hands up in the air and said, I surrender. I give you all that I have, all that I am. If there's anything in me you can use, you can have it, Lord. I had no idea that this was what he had in me at that time, but I began to serve him with all my heart anywhere that I could. Didn't I, Jack? Jack was there way back then. He remembers those 25 years ago when I, when I was driving everybody crazy in the church. Because <laughs> I wanted to do everything. I was a little like Jennifer. I wanted to do everything, you know, she drives everybody crazy. <laughs> well, two peas in a pod, BFF. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's just who I am. It's, it's just who he made me. Just I'm all or nothing. <laughs> Praise God. I was all or nothing when I was in the world. So it just stands to reason that that all or nothing would come with me into the kingdom. It's part of my personality trait. It's why I'm still here. Because when I went all in, I went all in. Amen. And so John, let's see. Yes, we read Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, right? John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So number one, what was number one? He knew his identity. He knew who he was. Number two, his heart was with God. You can look in that statement and see where he says, I must be about, didn't you know, I must be about my father's business. You know that his heart was with God. His actions proved his heart. Out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and what we speak is what we're going to live. But, but the point here is that his actions proved his heart. His heart is with God. Luke 2, 46 through 47, it says, They found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He was 12, y'all. He was 12. He stayed behind. He got so caught up. I know they're leaving. I know they're leaving. But I just can't pull myself away from hearing this word from other people. I mean, think about it. You're Jesus. You're 12, and you get a revelation that you are the Son of God. Who are you going to talk to? Who is there really for you to talk to? 
besides the father. Think about how he felt. I mean, he's living in Nazareth. He's living there with his family. He's you know, doing the daily chores, doing, doing his study of the word. He knew how to read, so they, I'm sure they taught him how to read. He was, schooling was part of what he did. But, but, but this was some spiritual refreshing that Jesus was getting at 12. Can you imagine how he felt? I, can't, I just can't pull myself enough to disobey and not go with his parents to just hang there behind and, and just hear what they have to say and to, and to chime in. His heart was fully God's. I like how he said, I must be about my father's business. Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? He didn't say that. He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? So he had an, he had an understanding, Pastor Robert, at 12 years old, yeah. that the father had an assignment for him. That there was some business he was here to take care of. I must be about. God had already impressed upon his heart. I must. We got to get that same impression on our heart. I must be about the Father's business. I like how how Paul said it. He said, "I want to. My main purpose, my main thing is that I want to lay hold of that for which God has laid hold of me. He laid hold of you and me for a purpose. So I got to press with all my might." I must be about my father's business. I must. What does that word must mean? It means obliged, compelled, to be under obligation. It's a necessity, something that should not be overlooked. So when our heart's really with God, his priorities become our priorities. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Hallelujah. Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O God, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Message translation says, God's word entered my life, became part of my very being. How many of you know what that's like? When his word begins to enter your heart, it just becomes who you are. As you begin to walk with God and live with God, it's just... It's just who you are. Amen. It became part of my very being. Mark 12, 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Doesn't sound like there's anything held back right there. Amen. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. That's, you can just see that Jesus is there hungering and thirsting first. Seeking first the kingdom. I want, I want to hear more. I want to share some more ideas with you. I want to hear, I want to hear that word. That he, he needed to hear that word. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we, we seek to be like Jesus and that his heart was with God. See, God doesn't want us to just go through the motions. He did not want robots. That's why he, he gives us the choice. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life that you and your family may live. So he understood the heart of the father. Number three. So number one was what? He knew what? And number two, his heart was with God. The number three, he was concerned about his father's business. I'm sure he's like, I don't want to miss it. I know I'm only 12, but what you, we don't hear from him again for 18 more years. 18 more years, we don't hear, we don't hear a word. But the Bible tells us, it fills in that gap. It says, and in that amount of time, that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. 
So from 12 until the time he's 30 years old, you don't hear anything about him. But at the age of 30, here comes Jesus to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he knew the first thing he had to do was let me fulfill all righteousness. And he went to, went to John. And John said, I must decrease so that he may increase. John was another one who understood the Father's business. Hallelujah. So he was concerned about it. He understood the heart of the Father and the concerns of God. And so the Father's business is my business. And so it's eternal business. The Father's business is eternal business. We go about our day-to-day stuff. You know, I like thinking about stuff. You know, all the stuff that people work on and all the things that we're so concerned about. And you think about it. When we're gone, all this stuff that we work so hard to get, that we were working, that we were so concerned about, it's like it's just gone. And there's things that are that are important while we're here. You know, we got to take care of our families. If you're married, you you are a servant to your to your spouse. That you you have made a lifelong decision to serve another person and to love another person, to be a partner with another person. And that's part of what we do. It's part of our our day to day stuff that we do. Amen. Caring for our children. Y'all making faces because I said serve. Huh? <laughs> No, it is. We we do. It's anybody who's married. You'd say, yeah, it's a decision to serve another person. Well, I'm the only one. Okay, yeah, that's true. That's what marriage is. You're serving another person. It's a lifelong decision to serve another person. But that's a part of the things that we do. But my point is, while we do those things in the natural, there are eternal things. There's an eternal perspective and an eternal life that we have to focus on on purpose, and it's intentional. Amen. Our, our spirit life, and that's the business of God. So number four, God came, came to give us abundant life, and part of that abundant life is spiritual purpose. See, we're not really living life until we come alive spiritually. That born-again experience. You know, for me, man, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, Terry, even colors looked brighter to me. It really did. Really, I had a, I had a, a radical I was one of these radical people. <laughs> I was radical the other way. So when I came into the kingdom of God, I mean, it was a radical flip. People were like, what happened to her? <laughs> and they all were like, yeah, watch and see how long this lasts. <laughs> well, here I am 25 years later. <laughs> Amen. 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 But, but that's when I really felt like I was breathing for once. I felt like I was really alive for once. I have a purpose that's more than just getting up and going, taking pictures of children and coming back home and then go make some more money. And then it's like you begin to say, okay, well, I've, I'm already successful. I was successful, but I wasn't satisfied. Anybody know what I mean? I need to be satisfied. There's an eternal something in me that needs to be w- wakened up so I can serve God with it. That was when I really began to live. Until we're really not living abundant life until the spirit side of you is involved in the father's business it's part of what he, why he created us there's some stuff in you that's just got to get grown up so he can use you amen number two let's look at spiritual purpose he came to give us abundant life and then let's look what spiritual purpose is spiritual purpose these are, these, this is part of, of, of why he saved you. 
part of the ministry that he put in you is, number one, knowing God and making him known. That's part of your spiritual service or spiritual purpose is that you would know God. He wants to have that one-on-one, one-of-a-kind relationship with you. He knows everything about you. If you read what Psalm 139, he knows my ways. He's acquainted with all my ways. He knows when I sit down. He knows when I rise up. He knows every word on my tongue yet unuttered. And yet, he loves me still. Because there's some mess that can go through this little mind right here. I would think, God, you are through with me. Come on, y'all. But, but God, it is that, that his thoughts towards me are more the number than the sand. And that's just in one day. That's how much he thinks about you and me. Hallelujah. And so knowing him, having this relationship with him, that is, that is the biggest part of our spiritual um, purpose. But then as we get to know him, making him known, telling other people about Christ. You know, and, and increasingly, we feel more persecution. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the church is beginning to be more persecuted. It's always been persecuted since the very beginning. But it's like, will I get in trouble if I talk about Jesus? Will I offend an unbeliever? Will I offend an atheist? I hope I do offend him. Amen. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, to, to be bold. We're supposed to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be born again. I wouldn't be experiencing this relationship with my Father God. I am not ashamed of my Savior. Amen. So we have to be bold and be willing to stand up and be willing to tell other people about him. And you don't have to be, know nine scriptures and, 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 and a story and a poem. You just have to tell them what Jesus did for you. What, you, what does a witness do? A witness knows what tells what they know firsthand. You tell what you know firsthand that God has been good to me. I was, I was um, separated from God, didn't know God. I was in darkness. It's just like the man who, um, who got his sight back. He said, I don't know whether he's the son of God or not. All I know is once I was blind and now I see. <laughs> That's a pretty simple sermon to preach right there. All I know is I was spiritually blind, but now I see. Amen. <laughs> So that's part of our, that he wants us to go out and to invite people. You know, it's as simple as inviting somebody to church. It's as simple as this right here. What you doing on Easter? Why don't you come to my church? Any question they have is right on there. Where is it? It's right on there. What time? It's right on there. 1030. What's the address? Y'all ought to all memorize it. 7211 FM 1960. It's got a ring like 6,645 North between Tidwell and Parker. What's that? <laughs> Gallery furniture. <laughs> yeah. You say it like this. It's 7211 FM, 1960 West, Suite 100. Amen? <laughs> so you ought to memorize the address. But it's as simple as just inviting someone to church, just giving them a card. I've already done the work. You just take it and do it. But see, I think everybody thinks the pastor is supposed to do all the work. Not true. God has given you the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Welcome to the ministry. Amen. So it's about inviting someone. And look, it's as simple as this. Look what God says in Luke 14, 23. Go out into the highways and the hedges and do what? Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. How serious are we about it? 
inviting someone to church. What if they say, well, I don't have anything to wear? You know the good thing about our church is you can wear whatever you want to wear. And, and then, well, I don't have a ride. The good thing is you know me and I got a car and I'll be there to get you at 9 o'clock so you can have a taco. Get a free taco on your first visit. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can't, you can't beat that with a stick. Amen. So, so it's that simple. But we have to really be, are you about the Father's business? That's what it's about. Our church is going to grow because the power's in the pew. I'm anointed to fill up your gas tank. And why do we get our gas tank filled up? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You get your gas tank filled up not to sit at the gas tank. Did we fill up to sit at the gas station? No, we fill up at the gas station so we can. As you go out those doors, you're entering your mission field. There's people you know that I don't know. There's people that only you can reach with your personality, with, with who you are, how you're connected to them. They'll hear you when they won't hear me. Oh, she's just a preacher. No, you're, you're a person who comes to church. Amen. They'll listen to you before they'll listen to me. So my job is to raise you up to go, have the cards for you. They're already here. They're already anointed with oil. Pick some up and invite people to church on Easter Sunday. I hope we have standing room only. I hope we have people on the couches. I hope we have people on everything that we could sit them on. I see them sitting on the tables back there. Praise the Lord. We get chairs out of the office back there. Does everybody just grab anything that looks like a chair or a bar stool or whatever and just bring it in here. Amen. We're in, a, we're in a chair campaign, so don't forget to buy your chair for 40 bucks. All right. Okay, Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. Underline that. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. We've got to get a baptism pool so that we can start getting people to the water as soon as they receive Christ. We've got to get a baptism pool. Amen. And we will do that. But your job is to go and make disciples. And you know what? It's actually your job to baptize them. It's my job to raise you up and teach you how to do it. You can get them baptized in the swimming pool. Thank you. Bathtub, horse trough, kiddie pool. Gall- gallon bucket of water be a little small. It's a little small. You stra- you reaching. You- I appreciate you, though. No, we don't, we dunk. We don't believe in sprinkling. We believe in dunking. You got to go under the water. Amen. All the way under and come on up. Amen. Because it's a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We're, we're baptized into Christ and raised to a new life like he was. Amen. So, um, so praise God. But, but you got to go make the disciples. You got to bring them in. Amen. We'll get them. And then Proverbs 1130, the fruit of the righteous. Come on, we're talking about having a fruitful year, tremendously fruitful. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Amen. Number two, people need to know that they're loved and that there is hope in this life. People, imagine how people feel that don't know that Christ loves them, that Christ is there with them, and that there's this whole nother life you can live, living and breathing in his word, living on his word. See, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Imagine there are people that have no hope because they don't know Christ. It's our job to introduce them to him. Amen. And so that's why I think it's so important that we that we make sure we come to this breakthrough movie on uh, Friday night. And and um, if you if you're not able to go with us on Friday night, 
definitely invite someone to go. Buy their ticket and invite them to go with you on another night. Use it as your own ministry. That movie is a tool in your hands to have your own movie ministry. Come on, get excited with me, y'all. Come on. So people need to know they're loved and that there's hope in this life. Number three, serving God through serving others. You're saved to serve. You're not saved by serving. We're saved by grace, through faith. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. You can't boast. You didn't save yourself. He saved you, amen, by what Christ did. So we're saved, through, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're not saved by our serving, but we are saved for serving. He saved us to serve him. There's gifts that he put in us to serve. You know, Jesus, he says, the greatest among you, let him be your servant. The greatest among you is the person who's willing to serve. Jesus was having, I believe it was the Last Supper, or at some supper, it wasn't the Last Supper. And the disciples were actually arguing in front of Jesus about which one of them was the best. Which one of them was, you know, the best, the first. I'm sure John thought it was him because he was the disciple Jesus loved. I'm sure Peter thought it was him because he was the one ready to knock everybody out. He's the one who walked on water. They were arguing in front of Jesus, which one of them was the greatest. And Jesus got up and showed him. He took off his garment and he laid it to the side. And the Bible says he picked up a towel and tied it around himself. And he bent down, he filled up a basin with water, and he began to wash their feet. I love how Jesus would just demonstrate the word sometimes. Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? He said, unless I wash you, you don't have any part with me. He said, okay, my head, wash everything then. Peter was off the chain. Yeah, so serving God through serving others, John 13, 15, after Jesus washed their feet, he said, for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done for you. There's a place to plug in in church and help. Amen. By the way, we're looking for somebody right now who can help with PowerPoint. Anybody that could uh, possibly do that, get trained by Jennifer to be here on uh, Wednesday nights to help us with PowerPoint or just to have a backup for PowerPoint on Sunday mornings. Um, Anybody who feels like they, they would like to do that, we have a need in that area. So, Miss Jennifer, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So look at 1 Samuel 12, 24. It says, but be sure to fear. And that word fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to reverence. Be sure to reverence the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he's done for you. You know, when I consider what great things he's done for me, how could I tell God no? How could I say, I don't feel like getting up early? How could, I say, how could I say that? Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Come on, because he said, okay, I'm going to go to that cross for you. I can get up and go serve a little bit early. What time does the kitchen crew get here? 8, 8, 15. Jennifer, what time do you get here? About 730? 730 to just kind of oversee everything. She gets here and does the PowerPoint. She prints the note sheets that she's just taking that off of me. 
because I've been printing the note sheets every Sunday morning. So she's just taken that off of me, and now she's doing that. We need somebody who will just come in and print the note sheets so she doesn't have to do that. What's that? Seven who? <laughs> she said, seven who? Yeah, but Jennifer works all week long, a full-time job. She has three children, three lovely children. Two of them are in basketball. And she has a busy schedule, but she still makes it her priority to come and to serve God. Amen? So somebody, somebody could step up and be an alternate for her. You'll do it? Tamar says she would do it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's probably others who could, who'd be, who could do it. You know, and a lot of times we just don't let you know what the need is. But there's lots of places you could plug in. Because Jennifer keeps plugging all the holes. She can only plug so many. So Jennifer needs some people to step up and to serve. Well, that's part of my spiritual purpose in life. Amen? All right. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in what? So don't show up with a bad attitude. Serve one another in love. Don't show up <laughs> rolling your eyes or you're all that because you're here to serve. Now, when you're here to serve, you've got a servant's heart. And we, lo- we serve one another with the, with the soft hands of compassion rather than the rough hands of duty. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. And this, let me just, let me just encourage Kevin and Miss Toby and um, Tamar and Pastor Robert and Jennifer and uh, Jack and Julie and um, uh, everybody who serves. Every, the, the Flores family. Where are you going? Where are you going, Nick? <laughs> but I'm, I want to encourage everyone who serves. Pastor Carolyn, um, um, uh, Dwight. I was just, I saw his face. I was searching for his name. Sometimes I have a hard time getting it from here to here. Dwight and Ashley, Wayne and Lily. I think I already said Miss Toby. Raise your hand if you also serve. Sylvia, amen, and, and, and uh, Alfred, Latisha. I mean, let me just encourage y'all. Let me encourage you with what the Word says. If I missed your name, charge it to my head and not my heart. Kenta, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God is not unrighteous to forget. You might even forget all the days you got up. You might even forget up all the things that you did. But there's an accounting going on in heaven, and he will not forget. He will bless you. You know, Peter said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. We've left everything. And Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. He said, anybody who's left husband or wife. I'm not saying anybody should leave their spouse to serve God. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling I'm, I'm quoting Jesus, okay? Or, or has left lands or houses or, or jobs or whatever. Whatever you've left behind, you'll reap a hundredfold in this time and in the life to come. So let me encourage you. He's a redeemer of your time. Come on. He's going to give you back in favor and in time what it is you've given up for him. God is not unrighteous to forget. He's not a taskmaster. 
We're working in partnership with him. And there is a reward. There's a reward here on this earth. But don't you dare ever forget that there is a heavenly accounting. And there is treasure that you are stored up in heaven that's not going to be moth-eaten. That's not going to get rusty. It can't ever be taken away from your account. But there is a heavenly account. God will never forget. I've served since day one. Since day one. Isn't that true, Jack? Since day one. We served on the same hospitality team. We did. Back at Northfield, we served on the same hospitality team. And uh, um, I served in the, in the women's ministry. I ran sound. I didn't know a thing about sound, but I ran sound. Why? They needed somebody. I'll do it. I served on Sunday afternoons in the pony ministry. We, my, my pastor said one day, we're going to do, do cowboy ministry. I said, okay, pastor, hold on. Let me go get some boots and some jeans. I'll be right back. Get myself all dressed for cowboy ministry. Okay, where's the horse? How do I ride it? What do I do? What do you want me to do? I'm here. I'm submitted to your vision. I'm submitted to your dream. If you say it, I have to, you just say the word, and I'll jump on that horse and lead cowboys to Jesus, whatever you want me to do. You want me to make some barbecue? What do you want me to do? It worked out great. There were cowboys. At, I remember the very first service we had, old rough cowboys, leather-looking skin, sun-dried. Yes, they were. Yes, I'll never forget the one named Harvey sitting next to me. He was the meanest and the baddest, and they all said, if we can get Harvey here, that really will be a miracle. I'll never forget sitting next to him and watching tears stream down his face. He used to be a, a, a Vietnam helicopter pilot, so he'd seen some really rough stuff. Tears streaming down his face. And he got up and he went to the front and received Christ. Whoo, I'm telling you, y'all, it's worth it. It was worth every time I swept, every time I went down to the barn to shovel. And everything that looks like mud ain't. But I shoveled. I did whatever my pastor needed. I believed in his vision. I believed that he'd heard from God. And I saw people's lives change. I would go after, after I led, well, I wasn't leading praise and worship at that time, but I was on the praise team. You know, I had to get there early for praise team practice. Then I would go home, um, eat, take a nap, get up and be down at the barn by 3 o'clock so that I could help little kids ride a pony. Just so that they could ride a pony and be experienced to church. And then we'd have cowboy church in the evening. Sometimes that'd be over by the time we put the horses up and got them washed off. It'd be 2 in the morning. And then I had to be at work the next day. But I did it because I loved God. I believed in serving God. There was a, a fulfillment I was getting in serving God I'd never experienced in my life before. My life had a, had a bigger purpose. <sighs> Amen. I finished reading my resume. Praise leader for 10 years. I led the praise team. It was an awesome praise team too. I did women's ministry, Fabulous Life Women's Ministry. I'd do a makeover on a woman every month and interview her. And um, we'd do a cooking segment or an etiquette segment. It was an hour-long program I did once a month. And I did that for a couple of years. Um, graphic artist for the church. Any publications, anything needs to be printed. I'm the administrator. I've written curriculum, implemented church infrastructure, raised up teachers, painted many a wall. Vacuumed many a floor. Painted miles for Jesus. I bet if you laid it all end to end. I'm a painting ninja. And I have trained you to be a painting ninja now, huh? He painted a door like nobody I've ever seen on their first try. But whatever I've done, I've done it for God. Because I love him. And because I believe he's called me. I believe he needs others to have what I've been given. That's why I serve. 
God's not going to forget all the treasure I've stored up. It was all done out of a heart of love for him, so it's not going to go through the fire and be burned up, but it'll be precious stones. Matthew 6, 20, it says, Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So I think you ought to get yourself in firm foundation. I think after that you ought to get yourself in leadership development and get these skills that we train. We had a full class this morning in, in leadership development. But get in there and, and, and let us put our hands on you and train you up and teach you how to serve, um, serve God with all your heart. All right? The number four is always pray. This is part of our spiritual purpose is to be always praying. He put you here in 2019 to pray against those things we see happening that we don't like. He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in the heavenlies. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in the heavenlies. He's given us the power to speak and create with our mouths and petition the throne. He said, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. He said, ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you'll find. He, he's called us into this life of prayer. To constantly be praying the will of God. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Tremendous power is released when we pray. That's part of our spiritual purpose. And see, it's so easy. Why do you think the devil fights your faith, fights your flesh so much to pray? I mean, you just get set to pray and you're like. Because <sighs> the, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. But your spirit is willing. So you got to get your five, ten minutes in where you can. Amen. <laughs> so always praying. Ephesians six eighteen through 20. This is why we put on the armor of God. It says in the, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing where, well, where, warfare. Can y'all underline essential? Prayer is essential in this ongoing where, warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Paul's saying, look, while you're praying, you please pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. He was always getting locked up. <laughs> he wouldn't have passed a background check. But praise God, he was, he was uh, God's man. Amen. So I, please underline there where it says, pray for me. Would you put Pastor Sally out to the side of it? Y'all pray for me. Amen. Pray for me. that we, we're, I feel him on this. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Amen. You know, we're, we're coming into a season and a time where it might, be, might not be popular to preach the word. Right, it's not popular. It'd be more popular to just go with the flow. But we're not called to go with the flow. Amen. We're called to go against the flow. Amen. And to go with God. So 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. That intercede means you get a hold of God's hand and you get a hold of a person's hand who's in trouble and you just pray them together with God. You just pray that God would just get to them and reach them some kind of way. Amen? You become a conduit for God, a conduit that can do it, where the power of God goes, goes into a person's life because you've held on to God and prayed for them. Hallelujah. All right? First of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings, presidents, and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. Whether you voted for Donald Trump or not, you need to be praying for him. 
pray that he'll make good decisions. Pray for every lawmaker that they would hear the voice of God, that they'd all be be saved and they would make righteous choices on our behalf from what from whatever party they're from. God lifts one up and he sets one down. He says that he turns the head of the king any direction he wants it to go. So we, we can pray that God would have so much influence over them that they would change their minds about some things. Amen. All right. So number five, the next spiritual support that we, that we give, this spiritual um, purpose that we have is giving to support the work of God. Giving to support the work of God. Now remember that all these things that we're doing are highly spiritual in nature. Giving is spiritual. It's a highly spiritual thing that we do. It's part of our spiritual purpose, giving to support the work of God so that we have a church here, so that people can come in and get the word, that we have class going before service and after service so people can get raised up. Amen. Amen. I believe in this work. It's so given to support it. It takes finances to make it all work, to make it all come together. Malachi 3:10 through 11. That's why God says this. This is his will for us in the area of tithes. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Would y'all circle that word tithes? Bring all the tithes. What is tithes? Help me preach. What is tithes? 10%. So bring all the tithes, all the 10% into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. So put 10% and church out to the side. So the tithe belongs to God. Let's, let's understand that, that from his word, the tithe, the Bible tells us that the tithe is holy. It belongs to the Lord. So that 10th part of our increase of our finances, we return that to God. And then we still have 100% of our money. And then from that, we give offerings over and above. He says in tithes and in offerings. So he expects us to do both. That's part of our spiritual um, purpose is that we would give tithes and offerings, okay? So it says so that there may be food or lights in my house. There'd be carpet in my house. There'd be tacos in my house, chairs in my house, praise the Lord. Um, what are these things? Projectors and ceiling tiles. Thank you, baby. Amen. All the tables in my house, stools. We want stools for our, for our tables back there. Sound booth for the new side. You know, there are things that we need in the house of God. Back then, it was how the priest ate. That was the only, because the priest didn't have uh, an inheritance in the land. Did y'all know that? All the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, they all had their, well, the 11 tribes, they all had their inheritance in the land. But the Levites, the priests, had no inheritance in the land. From every other tribe, they were to share with the Levites because the Levites attended to the things of God. As they attended to the things of God, the people of God cared for them and took care of them. They didn't have land to, to sow and reap and all of that. If they were sowing and reaping, they wouldn't be focused on the things of God. Come on, somebody say amen. So they had to stay focused on the things of God so they would bring in the tithe, and that was what fed the Levites and the strangers and the orphans and the widows. Amen. So, And then God gives us, in this spiritual purpose, he gives us I dare. He says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Wow. So God is saying that he gets between you and the destructor. Between you and the destroyer, between, between you and uh, the enemy, the devourer who comes to devour your finances. 
You know, things that pop up out of nowhere. He gets between you and stands between you and says, no, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. So that tells me that I've got to have a vine. I've got to have a job. Amen. I've got to have an avenue of, of uh, income coming into my household. Everybody with me on that? The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Need to have a job so that we can have a flow of income. And he said, that vine's not going to fail to bear fruit for you. So if you don't have a job right now, say, God, where's my, where's my job? Not, why don't I have a job? It's not why. We're asking the wrong question. Say, Lord, where is my job? Where is my job? I'm a child of God. You said the vine wouldn't fail to bear fruit for me, so where is my vine? Where do I plug in? Amen. And then he blesses the work of your hands. Hallelujah. I know. I know I'm talking right right here. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And in the Amplified, it says God loves, is unwilling to abandon. He prizes above other things. And is unwilling to abandon or do without a prompt to do it uh, giver whose heart is in his giving. Wow. That's some real spiritual purpose right there. He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, as we give with a cheerful heart like that, God says, he said, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. He wants you to have an abundance so you've always got enough to give into the work of God. That's so good. That's so good that he loves us that much and he provided that for us in his word. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, he says, honor the Lord. It's also a part of my spiritual ability to honor him. When I honor him with, it says, with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, we don't do crops, but with the first fruits of all our increase. Then your barns will be filled, with, with, uh, filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So it's talking about tapping into an overflowing life. We don't press our own wine and we don't store up in the barns anymore. Hallelujah. We just go to Kroger. Amen. Randall's. H-E-B. Walmart. Wherever it is that we go, we just go, you know, and praise God, there's plenty there. We have plenty enough overflowing that we're not worried about how we're going to eat. Praise God. And so it's an opportunity to honor him. It's part of our, our, our spiritual purpose is that we'd honor him with our finances. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you, God, that we're about your business, that there's business to be done in the kingdom. And you've selected us. You've sown us into the earth realm in this year, 2019. You put us here for such a time as this. You put us here so that we could bear fruit and that our fruit would remain. So, Lord, we praise you today that we are your children, that we are called according to your purpose. And, Lord, even anything that goes wrong in our lives, we know that it will work together for good because there's a purpose, a spiritual purpose in our lives. Thank you, Father. We praise you for this word that's been sown in our heart and we decree and declare a hundredfold return on it as we're about the Father's business. We must be about the Father's business. We must be about the Father's business. Thank you, Lord. Make it a priority in our lives. May we make it a priority in our lives. Thank you, Father. We receive it blessed 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God. Not right with God, but I want to get right with God. I don't want to be lost. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. If that's you this morning, you want to turn your back on the life that you've been leading and you want to come into the family of God. You want to be a child of God. You want to um, connect with, with God in a meaningful way. I'm going to lead you in a really simple prayer. And if you mean it in your heart, God is bending down and listening to every word that you say. And I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. I did it 25 years ago when I was 31. I knelt down in my closet, threw my hands in the air and said, God, I need you. I give you my heart. I give you everything I have, everything I am. I honor you with it. I give you, give it all to you. And ever since then, God has, it's not that I haven't gone through any troubles. Lord knows I've been through my share and some others too, I believe. But He's brought me through every single trial, every issue, every problem. He's brought me through. He's been a faithful God. And I'm telling you, he'll be faithful to you too. So I'm going to lead you in this very simple prayer. You mean it, if you mean it in your heart, everything's about to change. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's have this meaningful moment of connection with God. So just everyone repeat after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, look at me. You just prayed that prayer, and uh, you got to let somebody know. The Bible says you, nobody gets to sneak into heaven, that you got to... Uh, that you have to confess him before men. If you want him to confess you before the Father, you've got to confess him before men. And so the way that you're going to do that is just take your connection card, and on the back there's a place to just put a big check mark there where it says, yes, I choose Christ, I choose Jesus. Put a check mark right there, and I want you to turn it in in the basket. In just a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering. If you would, just drop it in that basket. I'll see it. Make sure that you put your phone number on there so I can call you and let you know what your next steps are in Christ. Amen? It's real important what you do right now, now that you've received Christ. Just the same way, because the Bible calls it being born again. When a baby is born, aren't there some certain things that have to happen in that baby's life if it's going to survive? Yeah. Amen. Same thing with you. If you're going to survive as a believer, there are certain steps that you need to take moving forward right now. Amen. All right. So make sure that you indicate on your card you received Christ today, and then I'm going to call you and let you know and congratulate you on your amazing decision to receive Jesus today. All right. Well, it is offering time. All right, well, let's get ready to receive our regular Sunday morning tithe.